Welcome to Mudville, a podcast about baseball and cinema. I'm Brody Stout. I'm Nolan Rabine. We hope you enjoy. Well, yeah, the other day I was just casually sitting on the chair, as one does. Brody came out and <laughs> placed his backpack on the ground sat down on the couch and just casually stated my backpack is full of fruit flies <laughs> allow me to uh to recount this tale if i may as the the audience the the dedicated audience is well aware that i've been uh the mud balls the mud balls i've been back and forth between our apartment here in brooklyn and my hometown in westchester uh, and i was in westchester for a few weeks so i had a backpack that i left here since before I went back home and started a job that I had brought to the pool with my girlfriend. And in that bag, we had gotten sandwiches that morning, like bagels or something, and had a bottle of wine in there. And I completely... I think people are putting two and two together at this point. forgotten gotten about all those things. And so there was a paper bag full of, you know, everything bagel seeds and, and seasonings and poppy seeds or whatever, uh, and a bottle of wine. So I opened it up and it was just like there were fucking fruit flies like flying around everywhere inside my bag. I've never seen anything like it. It like and you're, I'm not normally good with insects and I was actually very proud of myself and the way that I handled it, which was I just I opened it. I didn't like do a a huge like Ugh, or anything, which like I flinched for the the listening audience, sure. which is everybody. But I actually did not do that. I just very calmly closed it back up, brought it over here, put my shoes on, and took it outside and cleaned it out. I'm proud was, of you for uh, yeah. responding in the face of adversity. Yeah. Fruit flies are generally one of the more uh, intimidating species it's to true. encounter in the wild. It is true. You don't want to have to deal with fruit flies. They um, can uh, they could swarm you. They can fuck you up. But <laughs> anyway. uh, it, it caused you to be late to the event you were attending, which was... The Yankees facing off against Justin Verlander, which actually went very well that day, which I was shocked. I was on the phone uh, before the game, and I was saying, like, I don't think that we're in for a good time today. I mean, Nestor pitched great. I thought he was going to get shelled, and Verlander pitched the way that Verlander usually does against the Yankees, which is he allows, like, a run or two, and then will walk some people. But usually uh, when he shuts us down, it's because we get rocked and we can't catch up. But... um the thing that did happen in that game, which is really fun to talk about, is the fact that Giancarlo Stanton must have seen Medusa at a recent date because he is completely made <laughs> of stone now. I mean, like, the dude cannot move. It's unbelievable. Watching that happen live, I like I saw him rounding third. I was like, wait, he's going to get gunned down. <laughs> and it wasn't even that. He just, like, basically walked into the ball. <laughs> it wasn't dramatic as it seemed like it might have been when you are, you know, 60 feet from home with the ball crossing second base on the way back in. Uh, it was just like a slow little jaunty stroll back around third base and in, <laughs> into the catcher's glove. Um, One of the more unathletic plays in baseball I, history. I mean, it really, it, it's it's strange. It's getting to the point where like the way that we remember, um, I, I'll say Manny, because Manny did a lot of weird shit and a lot of it was not directly tied to the fact that he was just a great hitter or not a great athlete all around, but he's like the worst defender ever or something like that. Sure. Um, but it's just like, man, if only he did other stuff, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you like know, Manny would have, would have those plays where he would yeah. make like hilarious. Oh, like, well the, the diving cut yeah, off in center field comes to, to mind. The, the cut off or he would like <laughs> go and <laughs> throw. 
he would go like yeah. talk to the scoreboard operator in the, yeah. the middle of an inning or yeah. some shit. Like so. Now Stan's not that goofy. Like, yeah, no, I mean Manny certainly. was a goofball, but like, well, even Ortiz couldn't run. It's just like Manny you know, could hit. Stanton can't hit. Stanton can't. Well, he can hit. He just doesn't hit consistently in the same. When way. he hits, it goes far, but he doesn't he does hit not make contact enough. I don't know. His legacy is going to be interesting. He's the I, streakiest hitter I've ever seen. He is. I still think he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Which, if he can, I don't. If he can hit, if he crosses 500 homers, which I think is very much on the table, I think he ends up in the Hall of Fame. Which is like, I mean, you know, he's been in the league since what 2000. You think Stanton's a Hall of Famer? Like maybe 2010. I think his numbers are going to stack up into a point where it, well, you know, if he wins a couple rings, maybe, which that's a whole other conversation. But if he does and he hits like 500 homers and he has like a career, what, 260 average, probably 270 average, 500 homers, 260. But anyway, those are like borderline Hall of Fame numbers. 500 hits, 20 something hit, or uh, 500 homers, 22,000 something hits, and like a above 260 average. It's not going to get you in first ballot, obviously, but that's like border. There are Hall of Famers with similar numbers. Giancarlo Stanton right now has forty-two point seven career WAR. Okay, which Hall of Fame I think is seventy actually, so maybe not. Which is comparable to if I pull up the list, um, Jorge Posada finished with exactly forty-two point seven career WAR. I, the thing that people forget about him is how good he was when he was young, which is why I'm saying like he he has a, an argument. We're just seeing like the the drop so, off years. He's also only 33, 42 nuts. Point seven uh com- would put him comparably around the likes of uh, Julio Franco, Adrian Gonzalez, Adrian Gonzalez, John Lester, uh, Cliff Lee, Mel Stoudemire. Jack Chesbro, Jorge Posada. So if you had Jose to make a Canseco, team of dudes who are not in the Hall of Fame, Don but like, Mattingly, Nelson Cruz, yeah, Daryl Strawberry. But that's all very specific types of players where you remember them as being just not quite good enough, but very, you know, very solid baseball players for most of their career. Um, Jorge Mattingly specifically, well, a lot of injuries in that list too. But anyway. Um, that's like where he could, uh, oh, like the company that he'll end up keeping. It's just that people are going to remember him on this big stage where he has not been the most athletic specimen <laughs> on the planet. He's been but out he does there hit looking moonshots. like handsome Squidward. He does. It's really kind of a shame. Uh, but he he came into the league at 20 in 2010. So, I don't know. He could keep it up for a few more years. We'll see. I, I have no idea. He's I, a very he's, singular type of player. You know, he's uh, yeah, he's very polarizing too. Because my dad hates him. I don't. <laughs> I don't hate him. I just I'm I'm like frustrated by. Him. He seems like he has a good attitude. Like even when he struggles, he seems like he takes accountability. And he does. He, he yeah. holds himself to a very high standard. Um, and I appreciate that. You know, he's. There are certainly players who have not responded well to some of the criticism from New York fans that Stan has gotten, um, and he's he's never really had an, any sort of problem with that. So right. you do have to give him credit for that. You know, his on-the-field performance is one thing, and uh, it sometimes seems like he can't hit, he can't throw, he can't field, and he can't run, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he does go through times, but that's the case. Also, he's at 1,430 hits right now. Um, 
So he probably won't cross 2,000. Yeah, so, I'm going to put his his Hall of Fame odds like under 2%. I think that's fair. I, I had uh, more hits in my head from back in the day. It was a miserable week for the Yankees prior to the series with the Astros. Uh, they were trade deadline losers, according to everybody in baseball media. They could not really pick a direction one way or the other. They did not buy. They did not sell. They acquired reliever Keenan Middleton from the Chicago White Sox and starter Spencer Howard from the Texas Rangers, neither of which are particularly noteworthy moves, neither of which will move the needle in any way. Um, A rival GM described the Yankees as frustrating to deal with at the deadline, saying they didn't really know when which direction they wanted to go and that they they had no idea what they wanted to do yeah it really was a terrible showing from a team that has had quite a few frustrating trade deadlines in the past and has made quite a few boneheaded moves that really turned out to immediately bite them in the ass uh following that up it anthony rizzo was placed on the il uh for an injury that could be traced back to concussion Symptoms that he sustained back in late May in a collision with Fernando Tatis Jr. And I think you have a little more information on this than I do, so I'm going to let you cook with it. So the thing is that it was not that he was put on for a concussion. He's put on for post-concussion syndrome, which is a very common thing that happens after you have a hit to the head, uh, and it can take months to develop. So there was a thing where he said in uh, an interview with The Athletic after he got – after he got hit, they he passed all the concussion protocol things, and then eventually just kind of what was the word? It cascaded into now what is um, you know post concussion syndrome, which is you just constantly headaches, fogginess. You know, some days are better than others, but it's just you know you are not um, not at your peak performance. The thing about this that is extremely frustrating is with the Yankees, you cannot take a single thing that they give to the media or to the public in general uh, at face value because they consistently lie about everything when it comes to players um, or the front office or their plans. Is it a Yankees or, thing, or is it like a MLB <laughs> front office thing that, that maybe is a little bit worse in so, some organizations than others? I like, genuinely don't I do know. see other, other fan bases talking about this. The like, front office not being totally honest with the media or with like the fans or right i mean it's it's really between the players the medical staff and the team itself like right anything else is kind of extraneous but um it definitely seems like there are teams each year that sustain more injuries than others and yeah, teams I mean, that um seem like they have lingering injuries more often than than others do and just teams that uh don't just don't really seem to deal well with the typical procedures needed have your players recover from certain injuries and i i think you know i'm a little bit biased but i do think that the yankees would be on that that list of teams you know especially for the past like five years or so right where the rosters have been very different at least you know 2018's roster is very different from 2021's roster which is very different from this year's roster but in in every case, it feels like the team has just been crippled by injuries every year, whether those are freak injuries being sustained, uh, normal injuries that are turned into lingering 
you know, 60 day IL stints or yeah. pitchers being rushed back too early and then breaking. So that's kind of what I wanted to touch on is you look at Jose Trevino who like a few weeks ago, and that's why I don't know if this is specifically a Yankee problem, but you're right. It very much could be a thing that's all across baseball. Um, I just don't know enough cause I don't follow the media for other teams as closely as I follow the Yankees. But, um, I, like Trevino said that he had a wrist thing that was acting up since spring training. The staff was well aware of that since, you know, spring, whenever it happened. Uh, and it, there is, you know, Boone is in, like, quoted in articles saying that, no, he's fine. He Like, people had asked him about it. He's like, Trevi's healthy. He's completely fine. And then he says that he's had this wrist thing that had been bothering him for three months. So, I like, you know, you just, it's hard to, I, there was, um, a comparison with Judge's toe to uh, Jazz Chisholm's toe, which they had very similar injuries, like the turf toe or whatever. Which I don't even know what turf toe is, to be honest. But it's, I mean, it's Judge had like a thing. torn ligament, I think. I don't, I don't, whatever. So the Marlins were very upfront about what was wrong with him and, you know, the timeline and all of those. It gets frustrating because um, the Yankees decide to operate like they're a government entity rather than <laughs> a professional sports team. But, um, I don't know. It's uh, it's just getting to the point where uh, fans of the Yankees specifically um, have just lost all confidence in the leadership group that has been running this team for decades now. So people don't have confidence in Brian Cashman anymore at all. Um, after 25 years of you know helming the team and being the one who is making decisions year in and year out when you know he has rings on his resume, which now people are very quick to question whether you know how much he had to do with the 90s dynasty or in 2009 it was just oh he just spent all the money he's difficult to talk about because he's had success in the past but recently it is very simple to talk about him because he's been terrible for at least three years now you go back to the beginning of the 21 season where they came in with a roster that was very incomplete not like too right-handed all very slow um and the way that he went to fix that was you know plug and playing guys like greg allen or pulling up uh, a Trey Ambergie or you know whatever. Um, and that was the only fun baseball that they played that year. Going into 22, you have the Gio Rochella trade for Josh Donaldson and uh, Rort Fett and like, Gary being gone and all these things that just completely did not pan out. And then the worst trade deadline that I can remember as a Yankee fan. You know, It wasn't the pieces that were bad. It was just the, the outcome afterwards. Every single one of them needed surgery right away. Andrew Benatendi is a special case because he had a broken bone in his hand, which is not something that you can really predict. Uh, but apparently Frankie Montas was hurt when they got him. It's just, you know, like the, it's it's just the whole charade has worn thin on uh, on fans and everybody's kind of over it. And now this year is just like a culmination of everything that fans have been warning about for years, which is just the roster's too old. They are not athletic enough. They don't get the big hit. They don't like the, the contracts that they have are going to hurt them sooner or later. And if they don't win before they start hurting them, it's going to really, really look bad. And that's where we're at. So there's also a ton of underperformance, which goes back to our earlier discussion about the injuries, which is, is everybody healthy? If they're not, why are they playing? Because they're hurting the team. If they are not hurt and they are playing this badly, that means they are cooked, which is worse. So it's just all, you know, not good. There's a lot to be frustrated about. The government entity comparison you made, I, I think, is a very good one because they do... Certainly. Why? Because they spend their money poorly and they're over. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> sure. They... They pride themselves so much on their public image of we're the Yankees, we, we win 
We know more than chips. We don't yeah. allow names on the back of our jerseys because we're a cohesive unit. We don't allow beards. We don't allow yada yada yada. You right. know, we're we don't we mess are, around. We are the pristine elite organization in Major League Baseball. You know, the the buck stops with us. We do things that other organizations don't do, and players want to play for us because we do those things differently. They should be operating under that mentality, whether they're building a roster or hiring a hiring staff members training or, staff or medical staff yeah, specifically training staff yeah. specifically making sure that your players went out and got the quote-unquote best guy and you, you have know. the best yeah. medical staffers in the world treating these Claimed players to. going back to what we said like it's it's certainly not just a thing where the Yankees are like the only organization that doesn't disclose when their players are more banged up than they would indicate. Like it's definitely a thing that like just happens around the league. But I think when it happens to this extent and you have Rizzo and Trevino and LeMahieu has been playing like he's hurt all year and it, it, it stacks up to the point where people, it's just obvious that there isn't a level of honesty being applied to disclosure about players health and it it really doesn't help the case when it comes right in the middle of a week in which the yankees were the most confused team at the trade deadline they're the last team to make a move yep the last team to make a move they didn't do anything major um their first baseman is now out with post-concussion syndrome. Like Their catcher pulls himself out of competition because he feels like he isn't helping the team anymore because of his injuries. Which are months old. Like We've known about the whole Aaron Judge-Toe situation. He's come back. He's been awful. I think he was rushed back. Obviously, Carlos Rodon was rushed back. They're going to have to shut him down for the year. And now, like you just said, the icing or the cherry on top or whatever the hell you want to call it, Domingo Herman has now been removed from the team for alcohol-related issues and the fact that he caused a disturbance in the clubhouse, uh, including mocking the team teammate Ron Marinaccio as he was packing his bags for AAA. Which is which, just which so is shitty. Cartoon oh villain behavior. That's really the kind is. of thing that just gets you knocked out honestly yeah that's the only thing i have to say about that is like we didn't have a yasmani grandol tim anderson type story coming out about that afterwards but yeah it really so yeah it's it's like you know you you want to give you want to give people the benefit of the doubt but they have done nothing to earn it and Especially this week when we have this day after day and a new PR hit, it seems like uh, it, it, it really feels like they're asleep at the wheel. Somebody who's supposed to be manning an operation board is just dead or something like yeah. it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty foul. It's just been I mean, it could also all stem from not all, but at least the injury thing. They I wrote a whole thread about this yesterday on Twitter. They have been going off of a formula that Cashman started instituting really it feels like back in the early 2000s which is plugging holes with veterans who are going to be cheap that you're going to try to you know tap into or unlock their previous production um in instead of uh you know putting any kind of faith in young players who have shown you that the future could be brighter than what they are currently doing um they routinely try to get guys like Josh Donaldson or, you know, you can name a litany of just like 35 year olds who they've just, you know, 
picked up off the scrap heap where they are expecting them to perform like they're in their mid-20s. Um, you know, you can go back to a, uh, a, a, I don't know, a Troy Tolowitzki, a Jay Bruce. Um, I want to say Travis Hafner, but I was thinking, it's not him. It's Well, I think it, him too, actually. Wait a minute. He was a Yankee, right? He was a Yankee he for was. a year when yeah. they had that weird 2013 It was the 2013 team. It was Travis like Hafner, Over Bay, and Vernon over all Bay. the same roster. Yep, yep. Just truly you know, absurd. I think Lance Berkman hit a home run for the Yankees in the playoffs one year or something. There's just That was a little like, bit before, but yeah. But no, but that's the same threat. Raul that's what Ibanez, I'm saying. Raul Ibanez. Yeah, although Raul Ibanez has played here, well here, yeah. and that's the thing. <laughs> like, there are... You know, some examples of it working, like Ibanez or Matt, uh, I almost said Matt Chapman, Matt Carpenter. <laughs> there are far more who just completely shit the bed. Jay Bruce retired <laughs> after like three weeks. Yeah. Um, Chris Carter got cut. I mean, it's just like, you know. There's it's, certainly yeah. precedent for, you know, signing a veteran who then becomes a lightning rod off the bench sure. and provides a spark. Like, you obviously should be signing veterans to, like, complement your, your young talent to try to, like, steer these guys off in the, the yeah, right direction. Yeah, you want people who've been there or who've won. Or the whatever. problem is that they've surrounded Garrett Cole and, and Aaron Judge. And I think in their head, John Carlos Stanton is also part of that core, which he yeah. just cannot be. Um, they've surrounded these guys with players who are older than LeMahieu, them. LeMahieu, too, by the way, is part of that yeah, core for them. Yeah, guys who, like we've said, can't move, can't hit, can't field, can't run. Man, can't <laughs> move, can't hit, can't field, can't run. That's winning baseball right yeah. there. Um, Dear God. When they should be seeing Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge at this point as the old guys. Right. And, you know, you look around the league and the teams that are succeeding are, A, athletic, uh, B, offensive powerhouses, which, you know, that's a whole other topic of conversation is the ability to be able to hit. There are teams who can succeed in the regular season without being, you know, like top three offenses. Uh, but if you want to win the playoffs, you need to be able to hit. Um, and the Yankees consistently don't do that. And they've like tripled down on pitching. Um, and then, you know, when that doesn't work out, which uh, example this season, other than Garrett Cole, um, and Clark Schmidt. Clark Schmidt's been good. You know, you end up burning out the bullpen, which was a strength for the first few months, but it ends up you cannot have like six different dudes throwing two innings a night for the whole season. They're just going to, their arms are going to die, which is where we're at now, which is where, you know, a lot of these guys are no longer reliable. Like Clay Holmes is now kind of the only guy out of the bullpen that I don't worry about giving up leads or if they have a lead. Um, Michael King as well. But um, it's mismanagement. It's, it feels like ineptitude. And the thing is, like, as a fan, you see the vision, right? Like, you know what they're going for. It's just that it just completely falls on its face, like, year after year, whether it's in October or whether it's in, like, June. You know, it's like the thing either falls apart in the summer, like 2021. Yeah, they made the playoffs in 21. But last year, it just completely, the wheels fell off in the ALCS. It's just, you know, and everybody knew that in the DS, they were kind of playing over their skis a little bit because they almost lost that that uh, series to Cleveland um, in uh, – it's just, you know, whatever. It's just all very frustrating. There's a lot to be said more than this where you can really do a, a very, very deep dive on the job that Cashman has done. We've gone pretty deep. Like, no, but I'm saying but even, you can even go further deeper, yeah. <laughs> um, into, like, what Hal has allowed. And now there's, like, you know, whispers about Hal refusing to allow Cashman to sell off a lot of these rental pieces, which – have you heard about this? No. So there is a story that is not um, 
I, I don't think it's really like corroborated by any uh, like. So it's probably you know. I mean, it's it. Michael K said it on the show today, which if he says it, that means that there's some kind of you know truth to it, because um, he's not one to just you know spit out hearsay. But um, allegedly, Cashman had deals in place to trade like Wandy and Glaber and Bader. Um, and like all these dudes who were, you know, rental pieces, IKF, I think too. And Hal apparently stopped them from doing that. He, uh, he said, we're not, we're not going to do that. You can't give up on the season. Basically, you know, we're not, we're not thrown in the towel. Um, he won't let him do that. So, Mm. you know, if that is indicative of things that he's done in the past where it's, you know, we can't go out and, uh, can't go out and drop a ton of money on a you know a younger guy or whatever you know whatever it is it's just it's it's whatever you want to extrapolate from that story if it's true which it seems like there's some truth to it i don't know how much but i believe that um yeah and that's the thing too is i completely believe it because i think hal fancies himself as a baseball guy and i don't think he's a good one so it's <laughs> um you know it's it's uh there like the ownership is really starting to like go to war with the fans also over you know he's like i don't know why they're upset in uh in june which now this is a few months ago and he's like i don't get it we're you know we're a few games over 500 and it's like well we're not upset necessarily just about this year how it's a lot more than that um so it just feels like at this time this is like one of the worst eras to be a yankee fan probably since the 80s um it just feels boring it it's it's boring and, and directionless um, yeah. There's no, there's no easy way out of this. Lifeless. There's, uh, it just feels like they like the future right now. Like in 2017, it felt like, man, here we go. We're coming a game off of the World Series. Yep. Like the future is bright. We have all these young stars. They're not even expensive. They can go out and get some real talent to add to this. Bryce Harper is about to be a free agent. Just like all these things. And uh, supposed to go on a huge like spending spree right. in 2019, which they did not do. Right. It's just it's been uh, a very disappointing few years. Uh, and this is I mean, we're getting toward like if it in 2017, I think we were all kind of thinking they will probably win at least a few World Series within the next five to six years. Well, um, at like, least a few, well, maybe not five to six that's, years. That's not fair. Pretty. But, uh, well, I do remember us saying there's no way that we don't win at least one with this roster because they had flexibility financially. They had a core of dudes who seemed like they were ready to go out and win. And then you add John Carlos Stanton, you add like an MVP, you add Garrett Cole, whatever. It's just all these pieces that were falling into place where it's like this has to be the team. And we are now kind of on the back end of that window where all these guys are now exiting the period where they can be viable core members of a championship team. Right. Um, which now, if you're going to you know, whip this team into shape and make it a contender, you have to add a lot of youth, you have to add a lot of athleticism, and really a ton of offensive talent uh, because the guys that you are banking on are not bank onable. Um, and that's where we're at. So that's why Yankee fans are frustrated. They wasted the, you know, the potential that they had shown years ago. Um, and it seems like there's no way out except for despair for a few years. So, I don't know. We'll see. Well, at least we're not the White Sox. At least we're not the White Sox. We don't talk about That's that. That's worse. Man. Yeah, we can talk about that. So, Some fun stuff going on in Chi-Town on yeah, the south side. A few players just today who have recently 
exited the Chicago White Sox organization have put the organization on blast for its lack of direction or clubhouse culture or anything. Uh, the previously mentioned Keenan Middleton said, uh, basically said he was incredibly frustrated with how things operated in Chicago. As soon as he found out he was traded to the Yankees, he... Can I pause you for one second? Yeah. I actually really like Keenan Middleton now. <laughs> Because he played really well against the Astros yesterday, mm-hmm. and he showed up. He said, my old team sucks, and I'm glad that I'm here because I just want to win, which you know, yeah, somebody should probably that. tell Keenan this is not the place to do that right now. But I like where his head's at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. No, he's definitely uh, endeared himself to the fans with yeah. that one. But, yeah, Keenan Middleton expressed displeasure. Uh, Lance Lynn, who was just acquired by the Dodgers from the White Sox, said – I was there a lot longer than Key, and that is absolutely correct. In addition to Lance Lynn and Keenan Middleton, they traded Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez right? Angels for uh, Edgar Caro and uh, Kai Bush, the pitcher, two prospects there, and they acquired Nick Nestrini back from the Dodgers. So a Lance bucket Lynn. of balls. No, those are some decent <laughs> prospects. But, I mean, um, but they're prospects. Again, yeah, like, compared yeah. to, you know, what the White Sox thought that they were going to be doing in 2018, 2019. It's very Massive hard to, um, I don't know, like unless it's like a top 15 prospect and like the Baseball America thing, it's like you're you're buying you're buying a lottery ticket, as all the media always says. Uh, most of them don't pan out. So I don't really like that saying, to be honest, if you're buying a, a lottery, lottery ticket. ticket. I think it misrepresents what prospects have become because like – if you're calling like Jackson Holiday, well, or even a, but that's those are top fifteen guys. That's sure, but like even a guy, like say somebody who's like top, thir- who say like top fifty, like the the Mets got Luis on Acuna last week. Okay, but I he's not going to be Ronald Acuna. No, but there's a big amount of middle ground between being Ronald Acuna and, <laughs> and being, being described as a yeah. lottery ticket, which you know I think of and I think one in. A million hits and that's not the case with prospects i'd say more often than not at this point top prospects prove to be at least serviceable that's fair i I mean it is a story when they don't so that that kind of proves the point Um, i I, you have a good a a good uh it's a good point there maybe not lottery ticket we can come up with a better analogy yeah and and then of course the other night things went from bad to worse in chicago and tim anderson you know what it is you're buying like a show pack (laughs) <laughs> no, the show packs are even worse. Yeah, that's <laughs> I hate show packs. <laughs> All right, but one of the ones that's like guaranteed 85 plus or something. It's like there's a chance you get what you want. You're getting a chase pack. Most likely you're just going to end up with, you know, someone that you're you're going to end up selling again in the future. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the White Sox are uh, going back to when April or May with that radio call that got uh, mm-hmm. around a lot on uh, Twitter. Viral fan who called in yeah. was super passionate about how everything sucks and that was amazing sad. yeah it was great um we've talked about it before we have that was fantastic so you know the white Sox have a very well documented at this point um recent history of being completely inept and directionless um and it just like it just keeps getting worse i like i think everybody kind of already knew that things were bad there and now that light is kind of being shed on just how bad it's like oh my god people Really, we're not talking enough about how dysfunctional this locker room or this like this this front office this excuse me this leadership has been. Um, which I, you know the fact that they have gotten 
nothing out of a core of extremely talented baseball players. I like you know, I, you go to uh, what the twenty twenty one White Sox, their favorites for the World Series. I think. Um, I think well you know, at, at least favorites for the AL Central. Yeah, well that doesn't mean much. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, like I mean, Cease Giolito, um, Lance, Lance Lynn, Lynn, at the time. Um, yeah. Either way, uh, speaking of Eloy and Luis Robert, uh, you know, Grandal, like all the like Jose Abreu, like they've had extremely extremely talented players on both sides of the ball for a long time, and they just have done absolutely nothing with it <laughs> and it's been mostly apparently it's been mostly a product of dysfunction in the locker room and bad leadership which is very frustrating if you're a baseball fan for the white Sox, it's like knowing that you have talent and they're doing nothing with it I, that's that's where we're at as yankee fans and it's annoying so but t- times like 10 with the way that they've been yes. performing you know yeah. it's been a disaster of a two years for the White Sox at this point, everybody has been, you know, shitting on them all year. They've been one of the laughing stocks of baseball. Going and back now, to bringing in Tony La Russa. <laughs> yeah, that, that was truly, I think, the move that tanked the franchise. You yeah. want to pin their failures back to anything. That's when it all started, and I think they God, still have miss. that post-La Russa stink yeah. in that clubhouse lingering. But now... Everybody's talking about how their shortstop got, as Chris Rocked. Tucker would say, knocked the fuck out. He got absolutely slept. <laughs> Everybody knows what, what we're talking about at this point, I assume. If Wait, you I don't know any baseball <laughs> podcast, listen to anything. But in Cleveland yeah. the other night, Tim Anderson tagged Jose Ramirez a little too hard. He took exception to that. The two of them literally squared up and i mean i've never seen that i've never seen in a baseball (laughs) game too like fisticuffs um, like an old 20s cartoon yeah (laughs) like jose ramirez caught tim anderson in the jaw anderson went down tim anderson tagged jose ramirez so jose ramirez tagged him right back (laughs) yeah uh the announcers yelled down goes anderson down goes anderson it became this so good whole moment so and a lot of people are comparing it to like Robin Ventura, you know, a guy who had like a whole, a very successful career, in his case, much more successful than Tim Anderson. And he's mainly remembered as the guy who got his ass beat by he Nolan got Ryan. Sunned by Nolan Ryan. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like. When he was 20 years younger than him. It's a little chilling to think that, you know, you can play for 20 years in this game in some cases. Well, and like Your entire legacy can come down to getting hit once. There are so like, You cannot get hit. you got to have your head on a swivel. There are so many examples of baseball players who are remembered for the wrong thing. I mean, look at Bill Buckner. Like Bill Buckner, I, I don't know much about him, but I do know that he was a great, great baseball player for a very, very long time. And he just had a ball go through his legs. And he had a ball go through his legs in 1986, and that's all anybody ever knows. But even him. that, that's different yeah. than being remembered as the guy oh, who getting started rocked. a fight yeah. and then got knocked on his ass. Like, I remember Tanya Sturts for getting kicked in the face in a fight, so it can go both ways, yeah, too. And that in a good way, by the way. That yeah. was in a Red Sox-Yankees brawl, and Tanya Sturts came up bloody, and I was like, that's my guy! That's <laughs> like, a <laughs> toxic masculinity well baseball it's style. it's different when it's baseball it's more yeah. fun <laughs> if you're gonna fight the red Sox, i have a lot of respect for you as a Yankee. yeah i i think one thing that Remember tyler austin oh that was great <laughs> yeah 
I think one thing that certainly needs to be mentioned when you're talking about the fight is the fact that Jose was really swinging blindly. <laughs> I, like, he got lucky. It was a lucky shot. It was a very, His very eyes lucky were literally shot. Like, like pointed at the ground. He was not looking. Um, Tim, he like he took one swing at Tim. I think he got him like in shoulder or something, and then. Tim took two shots at him and missed. Point Jose was like flailing rapidly, but luckily for him, uh, he had a closed fist and he hit Anderson right across the jaw, and Anderson just went down. It on replay, it didn't look like he even got him that hard, at least to me. But like, I, I think he got good. him in the right spot. He I don't got think him, it had yeah. anything to do with the strength of it. Yeah, he just like, had to be old glass jaw, Tim. That's <laughs> brutal. I mean, it is terrible but uh yeah what a what a fall from grace socially I, for tim rob i tim also robinson. tim robinson tim anderson <laughs> I, I did really like tim anderson um i i always used to go for him in my show franchises mm-hmm. when uh because i'd play as the yankees and they always needed a shortstop um so i'd go for tim anderson because he was uh you know high contact athletic dude who seemed likable I liked him because of like the whole fucking Josh Donaldson thing from last year. I was yes. like, yeah, Tim Anderson, you fucking tell him. He's an asshole. And that's because um, everybody hates Josh Donaldson. I think people also don't like Tim Anderson, but everybody hates Josh Donaldson <laughs> more. Um, and in that but, case, it was just so obvious. Yeah. Like, And then he went full Antonio Brown on Twitter <laughs> like after <laughs> this thing, which is really funny. I heard today Tim Anderson apparently got a woman pregnant who wasn't his wife recently, Ooh. which caused a lot of problems for him socially. Yeah. And now he's like one of the, statistically one of the worst players in all of baseball this year. So, Tim, I'd call this a great year. <laughs> I'd call this the uh, the ATL for Tim Anderson, uh, the all time low, oh. not not Atlanta. <laughs> okay, um, I think you're probably uh, probably onto something there. Yeah, I think about that a lot with athletes because like they, you know, until they get to the majors, they are the best. At everything they ever do. Mm-hmm. And they are studs and stars and everybody thinks that they're the shit forever. And the second they get to the majors, if they're also not the shit there, they are shit. So it's, you know, probably the first time a lot of these guys go through any kind of... Uh, and that's a drastic shift. Yeah. Any to, kind of period where they're go not through just, just shit. Mentally. Yeah. It's you know? got to be difficult. And especially if you're on a losing team and you're playing well, which he was for a long time. Because you're doing everything you can and it's just not not correlating to wins mm-hmm. tim um, anderson's also brutal. like one of those guys who does have a very concerning profile like in regards to age like he's always been a free swinger like he's a very high right chase rate guy he relies on speed and like usually those are the type of players who like when they he's like babip jesus <laughs> which is who, like, not good for the long term when they start to age like they get past their age 30 season those yeah. guys typically tend to regress at a pretty quick pace but you know if nothing like this like if tim anderson know, should be considerably better than he has been this year yeah um if you don't know the way that babip is kind of uh used i think the me- like the average is like 300 i want to say so anything that's like way above 300 means that you're going to come back to earth anything that's way below 300 means that you're getting unlucky and it's probably going to turn around at some point um so it's just like that's just the way that baseball works if you get the bat on the ball like you know pretty much one out of three times it should land um you know statistically so that's why um and i think tim anderson used to sit around like 370 or something which is like it's it just means that you're either getting very lucky or you're beating things out or you know what you just said basically the tools that you rely on that end up going when you get older 
Um, so, or, you know, your luck starts to change. So it's just, uh, you know, maybe not great things coming for old uh, TA7. Maybe there, not. Out there on the south side. Let's talk some trades. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Uh, this past week was the trade deadline. We released our most recent episode uh, about Barbie and Oppenheimer with our good buddy Seamus just before the trade deadline concluded. So, first of all, if you haven't checked that episode out yet, absolutely go do it after this scorcher. one. We loved that one. We had a we had a very good time with that one. If you um, are bored, if you're like driving across the state or something and you have like two and a half hours to kill, oh man, good way to do it. Highly recommend. Not we need to I'm go biased, into advertising, but you know, yeah. just crush that. Um, <laughs> this episode is sponsored by our last episode. The sponsor, <laughs> this episode is sponsored by the Mudville Podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so we haven't talked about the trade deadline since the trades have happened. At this point, we've got a few days to reflect on them. So we've seen a, te- a couple of teams, you know, either pick it up or really flounder out of the gate. Uh, best example of that probably being the Angels, who very notably did not trade Shohei Otani. As we mentioned before, they traded away their catching prospect, Edgar Cuero, and uh, pitcher Kai Bush to get Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez. They also acquired C.J. Crone and Randall Grichik from the Rockies. By all accounts, a successful buy. Only to go out there and lose six in a row. So that's including a sweep against the Seattle Mariners. They haven't won a game. No, not not one. Not even one. So if you're Shohei Otani, right? You see the team go all out by because you're leaving. Everybody knows you're leaving. Mm -hmm. You know you're leaving. Artie Moreno knows you're leaving. Fans know you're leaving. So they're like, conclusion. we've got one last ditch, like, uh, like death shakes. What's it called? Death rattle. Like, sure. <laughs> trying to make something happen. And it has completely failed. And that's really, I, I, I'm torn between if it's funny or sad. Because if I know if I was an Angels fan and this was happening and you go out and you're like, this is it. We've got Otani. He's leaving, but whatever, because we just went all out. Maybe we could win while we Balls got him. Balls to the wall. Yeah. And then it just completely. Completely fucking falls apart instantly. Oh my God, you don't even win a yeah, game. There's no, there's no like, you know, there there was no first game back. It's like, all right, everybody looks great. Here we go, and then it all falls apart. It's just you think that going into it, you're gonna be fine, and then it just completely fucking fails. You don't get to experience a single win before you're already at your lowest playoff percentage of yeah. the year. Yeah, that's it's, crazy. It's over. That's it's so basically sad. over. It's, There's almost nothing yeah. they can do unless they like cook up ten, to ten win. wins. In I was row. about to say they need to go like They're ten already, and three, like next, seven out of like, the playoffs. Few spot, series, maybe eight at this point. God damn! There's nothing they can do. So depressing for the Angels. Immediately they are failed. The most incompetent organization in all of baseball strikes again. Yep. They're going to have Otani leave, and then it's going to get really, really bleak. Yo, Even it's bleaker be really than funny. it's already been. It's going to be really funny when people track whoever they pick with the compensatory pick they get for Otani leaving. You know what they should do? They should give John Fisher a team in Anaheim and keep Oakland in Oakland and just get rid of the Angels and actually move the Angels to Las Vegas Mm. and then trade Mike Trout. Nobody cares about the other one that much. I mean, 
what is the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? That just that's not anything. <laughs> that's fair too. That doesn't make sense. Like schizophrenia. Like <laughs> what? It's that's like saying the uh, the New York Mets of Flushing, the New York Jets of East Rutherford. Yeah, it's like, dude, it's pathetic. It's like it just doesn't doesn't. I don't know. It's just weak. But everything yeah. about this organization is just sad. The headline of people who were actually traded outside of Shohei Otani, who was not, would be the New York Mets instantly pivoting to a cell. Hilarious. <laughs> so funny. And trading uh, their... They, they traded three very old pitchers for a pretty nice return. They dealt... Wait, three? Oh, David Robertson. Yeah, yeah. they dealt... Uh, well, the, the first one was David Robertson, and they traded to the Marlins. They got back uh, Marco Vargas and uh, another prospect whose name escapes me. But then they dealt Max Scherzer, of course, to Texas after it became clear that they did not intend to win this year or next, according to what Max then leaked to the press, which was so funny. But they traded him to Texas uh, for the baby brother of their arch rival's best player, a.k.a. Ronald Acuna Jr.'s little brother, Luis Angel Acuna. Uh, they also ate a ton of Scherzer's contract money to make this happen. Then did the same thing, trading Justin Verlander back to the Houston Astros for what I thought was a very great return. Uh, Drew Gilbert, who was the Astros' first rounder last year out of Tennessee, a guy who I was pretty terrified to have to watch play in Houston for a decade. Yeah, no, and now he it's not gonna He's going to waste away in Flushing. Uh, and then Ryan Clifford, who is a 19-year-old lefty hitter in, I think I believe he's in high A still, but uh, one of the most promising teenage hitting prospects in all of baseball for sure. So, so real quick, because uh, I'm just curious, are you in favor of or against what the Mets did? I think that's such a dense question because yeah but no middle ground like yeah you're like they should have done this or they should not have done this which one like the trades specifically or this entire process their their deadline good or bad um i i would say good given the circumstance they were in interesting i disagree <laughs> I think it's very fair to disagree. I, I think we could agree on exactly what they did and like agree on like the values of the players exchange and then say, and then I could still say, I think this was good and you could say this was bad. And both of them would probably be pretty fair. Yeah. Like I think just, you know, to zoom out a little bit and look at their process for the entire year, it is very funny the hard pivot that they had to make from. We're signing everybody. Right. We're signing right. Justin Verlander. We're getting Carlos Correa. We're even going to sign. We're going to get everybody. God, we're that. signing. Yeah, that whole saga. But they were going to sign every player in what baseball because they had the <laughs> richest owner and they could spend money and fuck you. And not even like five months later, it all fell apart. And now they're pivoting to we are acquiring all of the prospects. And we're not going to compete for three years. Yeah, and we're not competing so, until 2026. Yeah. Um, so this is why I'm against. Because the thing that Steve Cohen has that nobody else has, obviously, is money. So what money allowed well, them that to... much money. That, the, the type of money that he has yes. is to a degree that nobody else in the league is even close to. Like where it just basically does not affect the team. Um, so that's the superpower that he has. So they are able with that kind of money 
to get out of these contracts because if you have a team like you know what I'll even just use the Yankees like the Yankees have made very questionable signings of late uh, but the Mets did that and immediately dealt them and ate most of the money, mm-hmm. which is not a thing that other teams do. So that is what or even that, can do. or can do. So that is a thing that all these teams don't have the ability to do. You make a mistake on your big signing, you're locked in. Doesn't matter. Excuse me. What the Mets have the ability to do with Cohen is take on that money and say, you know what? We have to restart. We have to. We have to. This didn't work. We have to eat it. But the thing is, you had the ability also to keep these guys. Like Scherzer and Verlander, yes, they're old, but they had been good. And now, who Quintana is your number one starter next year with uh, with Senga. This team won 100-plus games last year, right? They just Everything fell apart this year. I wanted the Yankees to punt on the season, so I'm not against punting in general as you know as a concept. But when you have a team that proved that they had the ability to win last year, you should not be selling off your pieces that can make you competitive the next season when you also have the money to go out and do the right thing in free agency, which would be to spend to grab high-end talent. Um, and now, if they add any high-end talent this offseason, you're starting from zero. So I just don't really... Especially when the money doesn't affect you. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why you would do this when you could have just kept them, paid them out until you know their, you know, their contracts were up and hopefully try to add enough to get the right, um, the right pieces to add you know, more and make an actual competitive team. It just doesn't make sense at all. And you all, it's not like you're adding, like, I know, like, the guys that they acquired immediately went to one and two in their farm system. So, like, their prospects that they got were effective for them and what they needed. But these are not, can't miss blue chip, blue, blue check, blue chip, Elon Musk has broken my brain. <laughs> Jesus. Blue chip prospects. They're guys who on most other teams would be towards the middle of the, of no, like, five no, to no, ten. No, 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 that's not true. Organizationally, they I'm would, saying. They're not, they're not top five organizational prospects yes, for half the league. Yes, they are. I don't know about that. All those guys are. Really? Maybe not Clifford yet, but there are people who think he's even more valuable than Drew Gilbert. But Gilbert and If Luis Angel Acuna was in the Orioles system, and that's, I know they're they're a special case, but I'm just saying, where would he rank? They are the most extreme example. If Acuna was in the Orioles system, I would put him behind Jackson Holiday, of course. Um, I'd put him behind Kowser a bit. If he was in the Yankees, don't have a great farm system. He would not be above. I would comp- Pereira or Dominguez. He'd be. I think he'd be a. I mean, he'd be. I'll let know about the the Orioles first. I would put him like on the the tier with like Colton Kowser, Jordan Westberg, and Kobe Mayo, like the guys who were pretty much on the verge of the big leagues, or in some cases in the big leagues already, uh, who can who I think are, are going to be serviceable big leaguers and likely all-stars for, for quite some time. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't sell off more of those guys. Me too. I yeah. We can talk about the Orioles later. But we anyway. certainly can. Yes. Um, either um, way, the reason, the, my reasoning is just that these guys also are not going to help you in the, you know next year, which is why they said 2026 is when we're looking to compete now, 2025, 2026, whatever. Right. Um, and if it was to lie to get Max Scherzer to agree to the deal, then, you know, okay, like, well done, Billy Epler. Uh, I just I think that that's not something that teams would do, which is just to lie about when you're actually looking at competing. Um, 
And uh, I don't know. Just the Mets seem to have this whole plan, which is based around building up the farm system, which with this kind of money you don't need to do. You can get a, a couple great prospects, which, you know, uh, I mean, look at Brett Beatty and you know Alvarez, who were their huge prospects coming into this season, and they haven't been you know lighting the world on fire. So it just goes to show again, prospects are great. They just can't. You can't rely on them to win when you're expecting them to you know carry a team. So sure. I don't know. It's just uh, it's an interesting decision. I think. You want to talk about uh, the Orioles? Yeah. Why not? Sure, yeah. So like we like we just said we'll jump in Jack Flash. The Orioles currently tied for the MLB lead in wins at seventy, believe that or not, are now firmly in the contention window a little bit before they expected. Certainly became a question of how closely they would stick to their plan or if they would deal some of these prospects that we've been talking about for some guys who were rumored to be up available you know maybe they were maybe they weren't we'll never know they'd only end up ended up acquiring uh jack flaherty they traded uh infielder cesar preto pitchers drew rom and zach showalter in the deal some people expected the orioles to do more you know i know a while back we speculated that they could have been in the market for corbin burns obviously the Brewers were not sellers, so that did not come to transpire. But uh, the the Orioles kept it pretty conservative. Not they, a lot of teams sold. No, they they stuck close to the plan, um, and they thought they felt like they could contend this year uh, just by adding that one pitcher to their team. He looks really good so far. His one start sense, his velocity's up. It's a very good organization for developing pitching. They've gotten a, a lot these past two years out of out of guys that weren't expected to be all that good. So, um, you know, more power to them. Like, if they think they can win with that and if they think that that is what is going to lead them to the most long-term success, then I think it's very possible that they, they could succeed with that plan. So this all flies in the face of what I was just saying. But the thing is with the Orioles' prospects that they are using to win is these are all, not all, most, um, they're, they're first-round picks that they got from tanking for years. So Threw away five years. It's, they threw away five seasons, which you know the Astros did the same. Look how it worked for them. Um, you know, this is, uh, I mean, this is like, we shouldn't talk about how they threw away five years or they might fire us. It's true. We're going to get fined by mm-hmm. the end of July. Um, <laughs> what what, what we we're can, yeah. alluding to is they let the uh, broad, they let a broadcaster, Kevin Brown, go. It's, it's being I think he was reported. suspended. I don't think he was fired. Yeah, okay. It's, it's being reported that they took him off the air for like <laughs> comments that he had made about the team's past lack of success against the Rays, which so the they comments. lost all of their past like 16 series. Like he, I watched the clip waiting for him to say something even a little bit like no, inflammatory he and he fact. didn't. So yeah. the, like, also it was a graphic and which means that there was a whole production meeting where mm-hmm. that was part of the plan for the night, which is you put up, here's the graphics that we have. This is what we're going to talk about. The Orioles have not won a game against the Rays in the last two years. And guess what? Now they're, this now they're they finally won. starting. To, yeah, but it was but, like three out of the five that they've seen yeah. this year. They beat them. Um, they lost 
16 series in a row because they yeah. were the worst team in baseball for five years. So that's the thing. You, as an organization, had that as the marching orders, that we were going to lose, we weren't going to field competitive teams, and now when a broadcaster brings it up and says in a complimentary way, by the way, now we're beating this team. Wasn't even like, like critical it was of a process. A fact. That can it's very easily be criticized. Yes. Like, Evan Drellig last week, like he had, he getting into it with some Orioles fans on Twitter. Like, I don't even think he was specifically calling them out, but he tweeted like, you know, I, you could call the process of just throwing out five years and subjecting your fans to a half decade of misery. misery. Yeah. You can, you could describe that as gutless and maybe I would, he said. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's um, pathetic. <laughs> yeah. to be honest it is it's um, um the orioles obviously did it perfectly like they utilized those five yeah, their, years their to picks get, are good now like they're gonna have superstars on their roster for like 10 years and you know maybe they're, they're gonna win a few chips because of that like the astros did it was the same thing you know mike elias they brought him over from houston so it's a very it was a very intentional procedure from the start um and it looks like it's going to lead to long-term success for them. But there are quite a few organizations for whom that doesn't work at all. And something else Evan Trellick said in that thread was, if you're doing that, if, if, if you're throwing away years and you're not leading to any success, then what is your talent? Yeah, what, why, are you, what are you doing? Why are you continuously being hired and employed in big league front offices? Right. Um, that's a very fair question. Yeah, that's absolutely that's, true. That's what, you know, this is now their reaping the benefits of being terrible. Mm -hmm. So if they don't allow their broadcasters to talk about that, I don't really get what they thought they were doing because then, you know, were you terrible on purpose? Is that what you're saying? I mean, were you terrible by accident? Like, cause that's, that's the question that you then have to ask. If you are so sensitive to your broadcast team talking about the fact that you were not good for years, does that mean that it was not on purpose? Because it's you know you're ashamed of it, or is it that you're ashamed that you had to do that, or because I don't know, whatever we we don't have to get into it. Um, Reeks of trying to have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, back to the uh, the deadline moves. Um, you were very much buying into the thought that the Orioles are going to be big time buyers at this deadline way back in April. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you had you had Corbin Burns. I think I I. One of us had said Josh Hader, I think, as well. But um, I'm surprised he didn't get dealt. I know that's. Uh, I'm surprised Soto didn't get dealt, to be honest. Um, but like they are in a position now uh, where they really are. Like this is their their league, even not the division. This is their league to lose. I think the Rangers are, you know, a threat, but they don't seem as you know complete. I don't think their pitching is going to make the. Uh, make make the the long run that they would need to in the bullpen especially on the back end they don't have the strengths that uh the orioles have which is a very strong back end of the bullpen good middle relief and what now three to four good starters that you can rely on i mean and a lineup that can put up tons of runs on a given you know on a given day right um which obviously the rangers can definitely hit they have pretty good starting pitching maybe two or three guys um and you know Chapman has been good this year, so their back end I guess is fine, depending on how you want to look at it and what you think of Heraldus Chapman, um, which we are not huge fans of him in big spots no. on this podcast. Um, so I don't know. The Astros are always a threat. They look human this year. Um, 
I don't know. Certainly like, note that uh, on the night they traded for Verlander back, Framber Valdez went out and threw a no hitter. When you have your uh, your other guys getting beat up on by a Yankees lineup, that really kind of sucks. Is not doing it. Um, not great. The Yankees put up a ton of runs in that series. Um, anyway, the Astros are always a threat. The Rangers look good. Um, aside from that, I mean, what the Mariners, the AL Central is a joke. I don't know who's beating them. The Rays obviously are a threat, but like any anybody you know, in the they're the AL, yeah, uh, it's anybody being the Orioles had have to be the Rays, the Blue Jays, the Astros, or the, the Blue Jays. Those are the Rangers. Um, why does Andrew Vaughn or look Seattle. like he was? I was gonna say he looks like a Nazi. Uh, that's exactly what I was gonna say. He looks like he looks he, like uh, a German commander. He should be holding an MP40. <laughs> like, yeah. I've never seen him without a hat or a helmet. Me on. neither. He's, I didn't realize how much he looked like Christoph Waltz. Wow. Man, he really needs to keep that uh keep his head affectations on. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew Vaughn. I'm sure you're a very nice guy. I'm um, sure you're not a white supremacist. Um It's a low bar. Anyway. Oh my god. Dude, I really look at him. I know, dude. I really He's kinda him. scary looking. I, I really liked what Apologies, the, Andrew Vaughn. <laughs> I really liked what the Cleveland Guardians did at the deadline, uh, trading Aaron Savali for Kyle Manzardo, mm-hmm. and then trading Josh Bell. Josh for, Bell was their biggest free agent signing in uh, franchise history. Yeah. And they dealt him five months later. Well, they, they traded him for Gene Segura, who they immediately cut, and the prospect uh, Khalil Watson, who had had a lot of hype last year before he got suspended for pretending to shoot an umpire. That will do it. <laughs> If you're curious, um, that'll get you. So clearly Cleveland uh, made a, a couple of moves here to establish Kyle Manzardo as their clear first baseman of the future. I think he is one of the biggest winners from this deadline in general. Goes from being in, He goes from being blocked in a Tampa Bay Rays system that is known for platooning guys, you know, really just being... The worst Plug and play, the worst possible organization to be a part of from a player prospect standpoint. Now uh, he gets I, well, sent. that's not necessarily true because well, you might get enough. given a shot more than most other. Yeah, teams, but, but you know he 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 was blocked by by several players. If you now, want to talk contracts and consistent playing time, that's another era, yeah whole other conversation. That, that's what I'm talking about yes. is contracts and playing time. Yes. Now Kyle Manzardo is part of the Guardians organization, and he looks like he is going to be a lineup staple for quite some time and uh, I expect to see him in the pros very very soon and then lastly they traded a med Rosario for Noah Sindergaard I'd question very mark. confused about that I move. don't know or care about that move to be honest I just uh, don't get it the Dodgers traded <laughs> like, for like do that? a bunch of guys who were among the worst statistical players in the league this year. Like they traded for a med Rosario, Lance Lynn, like we mentioned Joe Kelly. Uh, yeah, Joe Kelly. And, uh, there was one more too, who I am blanking on Kike Hernandez. Um, Kike. Yeah. Yes. So weird, weird deadline for the Dodgers. Weird deadline for everybody. Honestly, this was like one of the stranger ones that I can remember. Cause not, there was a lot of like margin moves, not a lot of big names, obviously. And this is more, just general, we've we've deep divin, divin we've, yeah, dove. we've we've talked about um, the big ones, but it's just been. Uh, I think the reason has to be because of the amount of playoff teams that are now in the league, which is six from each league, right? So twelve playoff teams, which means that teams who were you know bubble teams now um, used to be teams who were long out of it because if you weren't winning your division or if you weren't the second best team in your division, if your division was good, you were screwed. 
Um, so now with all these teams who are on the fringe that feel like, oh, all we have to do, like the Cubs. Like the Cubs just had to go out and add like a piece or two, and all of a sudden, hey, I'm now just we are talk about Jimer Candelario. Yeah, um, showed up. He went like eight for his first nine. They put up Cubs like thirty-five jersey. runs in their first three games. Or I know, like that. Um, super impressive. But that yeah. was one of the last ones I was going to mention. So, like my point being, now the the playoff format has created an environment now around the deadline, which is a lot less um, frantic. Which you know. I, I don't think it's great for baseball, to be honest. I think the more playoff teams is. Uh, but the deadline is so fun. And having like teams have to you know, throw their prospects around like, well, like their prospects and not treat them like they're already here um, creates a lot, of, uh, a lot of movement in places where you might not have teams with um, you know, a chance really to sell off their stars if they're not planning on keeping them or they're not doing anything. And all of a sudden, hey, now you can rebuild quicker. Um, and now it's going to be a lot harder to do that moving forward because the deadline is typically where you do stuff like that. So um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting moving forward to see how it affects teams. But um, yeah, I don't For know. Sure. Look at the Nationals. They now are going to probably be competitive within the next, I don't know, two years, maybe. I'd say three. Yeah. Maybe three, two, three years, whatever. Um, but most of that now is because of the uh, the deal from Soto. So it's, uh, it's James Wood, they just drafted Dylan Cruz. That's going to be the future of their outfield. Yeah, they're going to look pretty good very soon. So, well, the last, not very soon, but soon enough. The last the idea? Two, two deals that I wanted to mention today, uh, a couple of pitchers on the move, Michael Lorenzen got traded to the Philadelphia Phillies. The he Royals did not do as pretty much as good in his would. debut. Uh, and then the Cardinals traded Jordan Montgomery to the Texas Rangers. They got back uh, Tekoa Roby, uh, starter, and want to take a shot at that one. No, <laughs> Tekoa Roby, I think. I have no idea how to say know. it. And then. Another prospect I'm not quite familiar with named Sagis. Sagasi? I, I don't know. The Cardinals did say they were going to trade off everybody. They traded off, what, two guys? So um, not really sure what their plan is for next year because this team uh, is not doing it. Nope. And uh, going back to the Michael Rel- uh, Lorenzen thing, they also traded off a bullpen guy. Um, Barlow. Barlow, that's right. So they don't have a lot of talent at all. Uh, and they didn't trade for a lot of talent, and they didn't trade any of their pieces. They just kind of existed. So they're going nowhere quick, (laughs) Uh, which everybody already knew. Yeah, I don't know. The the state of baseball is not as changed as it usually is post-deadline. Yeah, it was a little bit of a dud, but there were a lot of really interesting moves made at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Does anything that happened change your predictions for either division winners or playoff series? Not particularly. I, I'd say it. I'd basically stick to what I had predicted to begin with. I think the Cubs make the playoffs now. That'd be interesting. I'd, I'd really enjoy that. I think the Angels, um, really royally fucked up. (laughs) Oh yeah, they did. Yes, Um, they did. But I don't know. Other than that, any. any other fun thoughts on the ball of recent? I think I burned everything out. I think I'm good. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, it was great to have us back in the studio finally. Yeah, it feels like, good. Like we already said, if you hadn't gone back last week, listen to our episode on Oppenheimer and Barbie. Go do that. 
So hopefully so. the people enjoy. But if you're new here, go check out some of that stuff. And if you're wondering what we thought before the season started and you want to catch up on what we are thinking now. Episode two. Kind of fun. Other than that, I think we'll be back next week with some uh, more stuff. That'll do it. See you guys next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.